It's time for Mac Geekab, and our opening quick tip comes from me. I noticed this week uh, my wife went and turned on what we call our lizard lamp, which is actually the lamp that's in our lizard's tank. And she, it's normally on a timer, right? But it's, it's, a, it's a Wi-Fi-enabled lamp, so it's you know, linked to all of our various systems. And she said uh, she turned it on because she had just fed the lizard, and so it was later, et cetera. It didn't matter. And then she's like, oh, I have to, to set a, a, a reminder on my watch to remind me to turn off the lizard lamp later before we go to bed because now it's, it's past the schedule. And I said, wait a minute. Let's try something. And I told the A lady, turn off lizard lamp in two hours. And she replied, I will turn it off in two hours. Amazing. Unfortunately, Siri says that she can't do such things and you have to actually go in and like build a schedule and it won't just do it ad hoc. But if you got the A lady or the G lady, you can do that. More tips like this, plus your questions answered today on Mac Geek 969 for Monday, February 20th, 2023. <laughs> Greetings, folks, and welcome to Mac Geek Gab, the show where we share tips like that. We take your questions, we try to answer them, we share cool stuff found, both from you and from us. We put it all together into an agenda that tries to make sense and maybe keep some things topically and thematically organized such that it makes it easy and fun for every single one of us, including us, your hosts, you know, me and Pete and John. Every single one of us learns at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include, yeah, and sometimes Pete will play that that sound when we learn something especially important. Sponsors for this episode include LinkedIn.com slash MGG, where you can go and post your first job for free. FactorMeals.com slash MGG60, where you can go and get 60% off your first box of uh, ready-to-heat-and-eat meals. You cook them in just two minutes. And Collide at K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash M-G-G. Uh, device security that uses Slack and some new stuff that they wanted, uh, that, that we're going to be able to tell you about. So we have more uh, to talk about in depth about each of those a little bit later in the episode. For now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, it's Dave Hamilton. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is Jonathan Brunn. And here from Memphis today is Pilot Pete. And I hesitate to talk about the weather because, you know, no one cares. And it's a podcast and it's past anyway. Sure. But. You won't really hesitate. Yeah, not that much. But uh, it's 38 degrees here. It's fully 20 degrees colder in Memphis today than it is in New England. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's over 50 here for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. We're recording this on on Friday as we usually do. Uh, John, I am, I'm so proud of myself that I made sure that you were not muted when you said hello to everybody for the first time. Um, but as the sysop here, I, I do reserve, uh, the right to, to, well, the power anyway, I don't know if I reserve the right, but I certainly have the power to mute people. And speaking of what's a sysop, Dave, sysop (laughs) is the term we used to use in the bulletin board days for system operator. And I, uh, I chose that term because earlier this week, earlier last week, depending on when you're listening, 
Uh, we said happy 45th anniversary to the launch of the first computer bulletin board system. Computer bulletin board systems are where John and I met uh, not quite 45 years ago, but not much, not much uh, more recently not than that. <laughs> yeah, not much less. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, CBBS in Chicago launched on February 16th, uh, 45 years ago. And uh, um, yeah, it's where John and I met. They were essentially what we would we would call the precursor to an Internet chat forum uh, where you is generally speaking, it was one person could connect at a time because we weren't using the Internet from our homes. The Internet barely existed, at least as we know it today. And the seeds of it existed, perhaps it's a better way to say it. But but to connect with each other as just regular old civilians, we used our modems to dial up using our phone lines. So um, screaming at 300 baud, baby. Yeah, 1200 then, is where I started. But but yeah. yeah, yeah, I was sort of late to the game in, in that. And then sense. it got all the way to like 9000 or something. Well, 90, you got you, you went from 1200 baud. I think you could do 56. Okay. Yeah, there was 56K, but then there were 115 two ways that you could like go in one direction. I, I remember that, but I yeah. like that was right about the time that I, we all started moving to like I moved to an ISDN line and then very quickly after that to a cable modem and, you know, off to the races. But remember that? I feel was, like there was, was a 115 two modem. Yeah. But Maybe remember, it was three or four minutes. It, it, when you were screaming fast, it was three or four minutes to get a one megabyte file. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I re I remember downloading. You know <laughs> I, what? What by today's standards would be super tiny, and you know it taking twenty minutes or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yep. Crazy. Anyway, that's that's for us. That's where it started. So I just wanted to uh, to acknowledge that birthday. Yeah, and there were some other um, systems that popped up in the area. Uh, the two that I remember. So one it was. Uh, was called Diversadile. Well, well, and it basically oh, yeah. let you, it, it would turn your computer, Mac or otherwise, into a multi user chat system. And you had to put in one modem for each line that you had. And of course, you had to pay for those phone lines, which, um, <laughs> and the other was, uh, our, our friend Steve actually wrote his own system, um, multi user chat system. It was on a, uh, a PDP, I think. Yeah. Uh, PDB computer that I think his boss threw away. Yeah, those something. are sort of, those are sort of the anomalies, the exceptions that, uh, to the rule of of it being one person at a time. But yeah, seeing those things uh, really made it clear that people wanted to be able to interact in real time with each other. And obviously, we've you know we've come uh, we've come yeah. full circle and then some on that. So yeah. so back in the eighties, remember there were about seventy five area codes in the country, and now there's. Dozens and dozens more. Why? Because everybody was getting second lines. Yeah. For their computer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ran uh, out of IP addresses, as it were. <laughs> yeah, ex yeah, exactly. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. Well, and back in those days, um, yeah. it, it, your kids, you can. was your IP address. <laughs> well, and kids, you can ask your parents. You actually had to pay for long distance. Unless. Yes. Unless. Don't get caught. Uh, let's move on <laughs> to, uh, some questions here. Well, wait, wait, wait. There was one. Oh, one other thing, actually, uh, one very quick thing. File sharing was broken for a lot of people in, uh, Ventura 13.2 upgrade to Ventura 13.2.1, which came out, uh, within the last week here. 
that will solve that problem. So if you were having file sharing issues and lots of people were 13.2.1 fixes that. So, um, that's the, that's what I, that's what I have to say. And, and now John, you want to take us to our first question from listener James? Absolutely. So James has a very good question. Um, there is a website that I would like to prevent from ever loading, and I cannot find out how to do it running Mac OS 13.2.1 and Safari 16.3. When I search Google, I do find how to do it on older versions of Mac OS and Safari, but not the newer versions. I had not wanted to do this on older versions, and with the system settings change in Ventura, I have not been able to find where to make the change. Um, your help would be appreciated. And yes, I feel your pain because I... I was Googling about and most of the instructions on how to do this say, Oh yeah, go to parental controls. It's like, it's not there anymore. So I found a newer article, but anyways, here is the long and twisted path to doing this system settings, screen time, content and privacy, content restrictions, access to web content, <laughs> limit adult websites, customize, Oh. And if you put a site in there, if you try to go to it, it says you can't go here. Huh. But yeah, I mean, let's not make it too obvious where this is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. So I, I, nice find. I, when I, you know, when I first, when you first started talking about it here, I'm like, I, I, there's, there's no, like, I, I started thinking about other ways of solving this problem. And, and yet the, the way listener James wanted it actually exists. Huh? Yeah. Um, much better. My, mine would have been like open DNS or something like that. Right. You know, you know, you know yeah. some Im imperfect yes. scenario, but it, it sort of gets us there. Right. Yeah. Huh? I like it. Yeah. And then our uh, chat room, which is at meckygap.com slash discord. I think that, yeah, that'll get you there. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, TN Papa suggests modifying your hosts file. There's a way you can modify your hosts file. Oh, yeah. So that certain um, domains or addresses go into the bit, bit bucket. Oh, yeah. Well, the yep. other question becomes... Uh, Hang on, Pete. You uh, while you're formulating okay. your thought, I just, yeah. just want to yeah. share, if you want to modify your hosts file, I, I put a link in the show notes that tells you how to do this. The file lives at slash etc slash hosts, and you would do this most likely from the terminal. You could do it other ways, but um, but I put a link in the show notes for anybody that wants to experiment with that. But yeah, that would be one way of doing it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my question was, so I'm playing with buttons a little bit here, so I may have missed it if he stated it, but you're doing that on an admin account. So I'm assuming other accounts on the computer are then affected and wouldn't be able to go into the settings and change the load. If they they're not admin load accounts, not load that. yes, that's, yeah, right. That's right. Yeah, okay, yeah, good that's point. Assumption. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, also, T and Papa in our chat suggests using uh, Next DNS. I, I, this is my first time. I think my first time hearing of Next DNS. It is entirely it, possible yeah. that we've actually that I've actually talked about it on the show, but it doesn't seem like I have. This is interesting. It's it's. It's exactly that and more. So, yeah, interesting. All right, well, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. I'm looking at what the pricing is. You can do it for free for 300,000 queries a month, which might be enough. 
for, for depending on the size of your network. So yeah, cool. I love learning this kind of, this is why this, I, like, I always feel like I always feel super selfish. Cause I feel like I'm the one that learns the most doing this show. Cause, cause, cause I'm like involved in everything. So I sort of ha- like by, by nature of, of running the agenda, I have to absorb it all. And that, that makes me really there fortunate. Yeah. Next DNS. Next DNS. There it is. Yeah. Cool. Any more on that, John, or is it uh, time to move on? Uh, someone mentioned open DNS. Ah, uh, yeah. Does open DNS, I, I thought they were becoming more corporate. Are they? I, I haven't used it in a long time. I've used it early on to keep the kids from going to yeah. know, bad websites and that kind of stuff. Um, but no. I haven't. Uh, okay, so they still have still their family home. Family Shield. That, their yeah. home products. Yeah, Family Shield and open DNS home. Yeah. So, so an, another... Another good that 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 was actually the first thing I was thinking of, Pete, when yeah. when we, uh, w- you know, when we when we had the, when we started this this thread. But I was yeah. like, I don't know if that still exists. So yeah, and then the other thing, because um, I can throw another link in here, right? Is uh, listennotes.com. That's how you search for content in a given podcast. Wasn't that the website? Listen notes. Yes, lawyer back, Jeff told us we, about that a while ago. Yes. Yeah. Did we mention next DNS and there should be a way to find that in. Yeah. I mean, the way I would search for it is just by going to MacGeekab.com because our search engine is so good now. Yeah. It's better. Yeah. (laughs) Look for, look for next DNS and no, nothing comes up. So we probably would have put it in the show notes if we talked about it. So yeah, there you go. But you're right. Listen notes is a great way to search podcasts. Yeah. So that's now in the show notes too. At MacGeekab.com, or if you want to go directly there, remember, mgg.fm slash episode number gets you there. So mgg.fm slash 969 will get you there. And we will get you to listener Roy, who has uh, a question. It says, I recently bought a new Mac Mini, and my 5 and 8 gigabyte Seagate hard drives are starting to fill up. Could you briefly explain the different types of hard drives and which hard drives or a complete hard drive system you recommend for time machine backups and external data backups. So there are lots of different ways to go. And, and I don't think, uh, I think there are many right ways to go for me for time machine. I find that a direct attached drive is, is best in that it's most reliable time machine. The technology gets kind of wonky uh, connecting to a drive over a network. And that was even true when Apple was making network drives like the time capsule, which was literally built for time machine. Time machine doesn't, there's no smarts in it to keep from like having a, a network drop cause corruption or things like that. So when, if you do wind up with a drop in, in your connection for whatever reason to your drive, the the backup can get corrupted pretty easily. That happens a whole lot less when the drive is connected directly. So um, any, but, but in my opinion, any drive that you're going to attach to your Mac is going to be fine. Obviously SSDs are faster, but of course more expensive on a dollars per gigabyte scale. Um, What I see most often from listeners and, and people I talk with is that most folks are buying, you know, what I'll call inexpensive bus powered drives to use for time machine. Um, and I can't stress this next part enough. It is simplest to dedicate an entire drive to time machine. Time machine will fill up whatever you give it. Yes. You can compartmentalize things and APFS 
makes that even easier. If you didn't know, here's your bonus quick tip. You know, you can go into disk utility and create different volumes. I'm not calling them partitions intentionally because they're no longer partitions. You can create different volumes on a drive and, and with APFS, you can specify what the maximum amount of storage a given volume is able to have. You can even set minimum storage. It's very cool. So you can do that and get some big Mondo drive that you use for Time Machine. But Time Machine will fill up whatever you give it. So just know that going in. So like if your if your internal drive is one terabyte, my advice is, you know, buy a two terabyte bus powered SSD and let that be your time machine drive. You're going to have an, enough space for history, even if your drive is almost full. And if your drive's almost like your, your boot drive's almost full, that's not necessarily a good thing. So often I've often run time machine on a drive that is exactly the same size as my boot drive. So a one terabyte boot drive, I've run a one terabyte time machine. I know that I'm not going to fill up my boot drive, you know, past about 80%. And if I do, I'll probably make some changes to what I'm storing where, um, but yeah, I would go with a I would go with an SSD. Uh, Brian Monroe in the chat room is asking SSD versus hard drive, and I, yeah, I mean, why not? It, you know, those those smaller two to four terabyte bus powered SSDs are relatively inexpensive these days. They run quietly, which I really like. I hate hearing a hard drive going rah, 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 during the middle of the day when time machines going. So yes, I I, I would say SSD over hard drive for sure. Um, Plus, there's a lot of ways to exclude what you're recording. What you're right, what you're backing up? Yeah, putting on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, yeah, yeah. yeah, only yeah. get those things that that you need. Yeah. How about you, John? Um, in my world, uh, so I do time machine backups. Um, despite your warning, uh, I do my time machine backups. Uh, on a Synology. Oh, same. I yeah. This is a do as I say, not do as I do scenario for sure. Well, but I, I do multiple things. So one, I do time machine on my Synologies. One machine goes on one, one goes on the other. I then use hyper backup on the Synology to back up the entire contents of that to the other one because I have enough room to do that. And then my third thing, so taking your advice this time around, uh, and then I do a carbon copy cloner to an external um, SSD. Yeah. Okay, so I want to I want to dig into one of the things that you said because this is interesting to me. Uh, do you, your why is it that you because I think we're going to surface something important here. Why is it that you clone or, or hyper backup your backups to your other Synologies? Um, in the past, my time machine um, partitioned or. or slice whatever you want to call it my, yeah. the time machine backup file uh would get corrupted the machine would say hey there's something wrong with your time machine file you're gonna have to start from scratch and i'm like oh great yeah but if i do versioned backups of my synology i can go back in time and uh what i would do to fix the problem and it usually worked is i would restore an older yep. time machine backup file and then tried it again and it worked so I remember when you told me about this initially a number of years ago, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's brilliant. And I started doing that. And mm -hmm. then I, uh, I, have, I, have a, uh, I have a thing for you, John, because that, that this is a, that's a premature bell ringing. Uh, you don't need to do that anymore because BTRFS on Synology is a lot like APFS on 
uh, the Mac. It's the newer file system. And one of the things it brings with it, similar to what we get with APFS on the Mac, is snapshots. So I turned on snapshots for my time machine shared volume. And now if and when it gets corrupted, I can roll back day by day by day until I find the one that is no longer corrupted. I don't have to be copying data across the network. I don't need multiple copies. I mean, it, snapshots do take up more space for sure. So you have to be aware of, uh, you know, you just have to manage that. And, and the, the, of course, Synology is much better at managing, at letting you control how snapshots are managed than, than Mac OS is. But, um, but yeah, so that, that's my, that's my advice. Thoughts. I have. I have one more meta piece of advice that might negate the whole last, you know, six minutes we talked about this. But, but Mm -hmm. if you have more to add, please do because it's relevant. I mean, these backup things. No, I'll 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 have to uh, enable that. Yeah, it's cool. Because I check I checked mine and they are formatted as uh, BTRFS, right? So, um, this whole conversation might be moot because I am. I'm guessing that less and less people are using time machine these days. And, and my, my evidence starts with the fact that in Mac OS Ventura with the revamped system settings, time machine is no longer a first class citizen. It lives buried under settings, system settings, general. And then time machine is like at the bottom of that list somewhere. If you search for it, you'll find it. And it's, I think it is one of the ones that if you right click on system settings, yeah, it, it shows up as a first class citizen there. So whatever that's about, but you know, uh, it doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me if less and less people are using time machine or backups, traditional backups of any kind, because think about it with iCloud drive syncing, iCloud photos, iCloud music library, or IMAP mail, whether that's iCloud mail or, or, you know, Gmail or whatever, cloud-based, you know, mail, there really isn't much that any of us store locally that isn't by default synced somewhere. And despite what a lot of purists might want to tell you, they're not entirely wrong, but they're not entirely right when they say that sync isn't backup. In a sense, sync is backup, especially sync with versioning where you have a little bit of history to the syncing and, and some, you know, some of that, which a lot of this does. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, like I, I, I'd be curious to hear how many people, I, 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 the question I want to ask is how many folks out there used to back up, tr- use some sort of traditional backup religiously, like, you know, a time machine or carbon copy clone or whatever, and, and no longer do. Uh, or maybe you have a family member, maybe like maybe you're like us and you're still holding on to the past of uh, must back up because we've learned our lessons the hard way. So I'm I'm curious, you know, do you have family members that that perhaps don't participate in that same backup regimen and have had catastrophic failures and recovered from them? Because that's really what I'm looking for is the the person who doesn't back up or even if you have had a catastrophic failure but you haven't needed your backups because the, the automatic syncing of everything just sort of took care of you. So I, I'd be curious. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Wait, was that feedback at MacGeekGab.com? I think it was feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Well, I believe that's right. Yeah. Tell them three times. Yeah. And the other solution, yeah, as you pointed out, Dave, so um, I recently increased my iCloud drive because it was getting close to full. Mm-hmm. So I also use iCloud drive. Uh, I still use Dropbox, um, and what else? OneDrive, 
Huh? Yeah. So consider cloud services as well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you not use Synology Drive for your stuff, John? Oh, and I, yeah, I use that too. So I back up my documents, or I think my home folder um, okay. on each machine. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I set aside a Synology Drive to do that as well. So backups everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we, right. you know, we came up in a time where bulletin boards were a thing and backups were the only backup. Uh, you know, if you weren't intentionally backing up your machine, you didn't have a backup of your machine, right? Like that that was just a fact of life then. You had to swap out 10 floppies over the course of... <sighs> the day I got a zip drive yeah. should have yeah. been the day I started doing backups. It was not, but it should have been. <laughs> uh, it took a near data loss scenario for me to actually start using that. But yeah, to have one drive in one place for a backup, that was like panacea. Tape drives were the thing for a long time. I, I managed oh, yeah, a lot yeah. of tape drives for, you know, for corporate environments and, and, you know, they would swap out the tape or I would be contracted to go in once a week and, you know, swap out tapes or whatever. But, um, but like, I, I, it, I, I just don't, I can see someone coming into the the computing world now like getting a laptop you know you figured i was going to say a college student but i bet very few college students are getting our our first time laptop users so let's say a middle school student you know and and then a high school student are they backing up no and do they need to probably not it's probably all synced out and it, you know it doesn't really matter yeah and, well, and Mo and Facebook says, the mo, you know, the most important advice, and we've kind of covered it, is to have three backups using different methods because you don't know which one is corrupt until yes. th- until you go to use it. And then you're like, ah. So he says he uses Time Machine, Backblaze, and, and Super Duper. And then um, he says the Super Duper and Time Machine are on different drives. I'm kind of the same way. I, I, use, I still use Time Machine, but I use it like on a thumb drive and then another USB power drive and then uh, – the Drobo, yeah. uh, the good old days. What did we? What was the name of that one, Dave? That then went commercial and hosed us. We had Drobo each other's crash plan. Crash plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that was yeah. great. It was free for individuals. For us. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and then. Yeah. But that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm going to get back to using Synology to uh, to do all my backups. But because uh, I found that the getting into it on Drobo. It's a dying technology. It's no longer supported. Oh, but it Drobo, is I think as, as of last week, yeah. the company doesn't exist anymore. I think the company shuttered. I, 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 yeah. I, I like, don't, yeah. don't research, do your own research on that. I, I but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it may sure. well be, but I'm I've still got sure. data sitting on that gosh darn Drobo sitting in my basement and, you know, I got to get it off. And then Brian Monroe was kind enough at one point to help me. We were trying to do the, uh, the hyper backup between the Drobo and the, uh, Synology. Yeah. And Drobo just wouldn't play. It, you know, it was, it was horrible. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, I, 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 I created a thread in our discord earlier this week called pour one out for Drobo. So I'll link to that. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's, it's, they're done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they that's filed bad, for bankruptcy they, last at the, towards the end of last year. Right. Well, yeah, but that's, I mean, bankruptcy is just a financial restructuring of your debt. Right. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, so like companies, Sometimes I was going to say companies survive and sometimes don't, but well, but also sometimes really thrive after, I mean, oftentimes a bankruptcy is a great way to, yeah, to, to, to get your, to, to create yourself a path forward. Your debt. Correct. Yeah. 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 Um, but I don't think they succeeded in this because the Wikipedia page says Drobo was so. 
you know, that's pretty, that's a pretty good sign. Uh, it's too bad too. Cause it was brilliant technology at the time and it should have been, well, Synology took their place cause those are smart guys. They can yes. do network storage. Yes. Yeah. There's yeah. Yeah. They, Drobo just didn't, didn't evolve with the time in a way that allowed them to stay relevant and, and right. therefore profitable. Right. So, uh, staying relevant and moving forward into things that people actually use, unlike backups, uh, you've got a tip about drying out your AirPods, don't you, Pilot Pete, from listener Dan, to share? I do. Yeah, I do. So, um, yeah, Dan, <laughs> Dan writes, uh, the other day I accidentally dropped uh, one of my AirPods, third generation, into my clean, and I cannot emphasize the word clean enough. Toilet. Oh, man, that's mm. got to stay. Uh, no pun intended. See what I did there? Yeah, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, I, I watched it. <laughs> after quickly after quickly extracting it and sanitizing it, I was left with a very wet AirPod that had jumbled audio output. I figured this was due to the water still trapped inside. After doing some research, I found that you can use desiccant packets, the little, sil- the little silica gel packets you find in clothes and pill bottles to help extract moisture from the AirPods. I had a few desiccant packs from medications I'm still currently taking, so here's what I did. I placed four packs in a very small plastic bag along with my AirPod and squeezed out as much air as I could from the bag and let it sit overnight. And when I woke the next morning, my AirPods sounded completely back to normal. It still needed to be charged after being left out all night, but I'm so happy I didn't need to spend a bunch of money replacing my AirPods. So going forward, I'll be saving my desiccant packs for another potential waterlogged AirPod. And I hope this helps someone else who gets their AirPods wet and doesn't know what to do. Keep up the good work. Very appreciative of all of the tips I've learned from your community thus far. And um, I went on there and looked. The AirPods third generation and the AirPods Pro have an IPX4 rating, which allows them to get splashed on and sweat upon and that sort of thing. Don't submerge them. Don't swim in them. Don't take a shower in them, that kind of stuff. But yeah. uh, I suspect that that IPX4 rating assisted in and then getting the, the remainder of the water out with the desk packs. And by the way, don't eat those desiccant packs. No, keep those away <laughs> from your <laughs> your pets and your kids. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. it um, warning signs all over them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, and for good reason. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I, yeah. I um I worked with this guy. Who was dry a, you out from the inside out. <laughs> I worked. It's, I think that's it's interesting because I always used to keep rice like a a a, a bag of yeah. rice at the ready to like throw things into, and rice mm-hmm. will act in in a similar way. I. I wonder which is better. So uh, if you know it, whether rice or desiccant packs are a better solution for these guys, I my my if, email us feedback at com. But my gut says that I, I've always felt better about rice because it, it, it's like the small little particles. And so it like you're getting it right up against the edges of the thing, whatever it is. Yeah. But maybe that doesn't actually matter. I don't know. Yeah, so you know, somewhere recently I read that that was kind of a myth that rice doesn't work. But I'm like, yeah, you know, I I, I don't know, and I, I I can't back that up. I couldn't tell you I, where or why. I, I can verify it works. It should. I can verify it works to a certain extent. So okay. I was um, like a, a little little chemist when I was a kid, and I discovered something. I think it was a magic kit that I had, and one of the tricks involved putting rice in a bowl and doing something. And I got bored with it or didn't understand it, so I poured the rice down the drain. Uh, oh. Don't do that. 
uncooked rice down the drain. Oh, I bet your I bet your parents were super happy with you a day or two later. Yeah, I don't think we had to I, get a plumber, but they're like, "Why is the drain backing up?" I'm like, "Oh, um, maybe." I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, beats me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like the Roto Rooter man likes you. I've always saved my my desiccant packets. I'm 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 not embarrassed to admit why, but it, I'm not sure if I should share the stories to admit as to why. But I will. Uh, I when I was at Citibank, I worked with this guy who I will describe as an old hippie. That's not entirely accurate, but it's close enough for this story. And and he was like. He was the chief tech support guy for our floor. I, I did some different stuff. I was doing a lot of page layout and things like that at the time. But being techie nerds, he and I, you know, bonded all the time. And uh, one day he hand, you know, he had gotten like a bunch of hard drives or whatever. And, and he handed me a bunch of desiccant packets and he said, uh, yeah, yeah. Put those with your unmentionables. I'm like, oh, oh there's that sound. That means I get to tell you about our sponsor here. This new year, you've got goals, and our sponsor, Factor, is here to help you achieve each and every one of them. With Factor, you can fuel up fast with ready-to-eat, nutritious meals delivered straight to your door, leaving you time and energy to tackle everything on your to-do list. Achieve and maintain your 2023 goals with Factor. Get America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit and start saving time, eating well, and living your best year yet. The thing I love about Factor is how quickly all this stuff comes together. Because with Factor, not only do you skip the trip to the grocery store, you also skip the chopping, the prepping, and the cleaning up, too. Because Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy. So no matter your lifestyle, Factor's got delicious, flavor-packed meals to help you live it to the fullest. You get keto, calorie-smart, vegan and veggie, protein plus. All those options are on the menu each week. They're prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. Each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. And every week, there's 34 of these options, so there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with them, too. They've got like, you know, 36, more than 36 sweets out there. This is a great way to cut back on takeout. You've got to check it out. Head to factormeals.com slash MGG50 and use code MGG50. Why? To get 50% off your first box. Right. So that's code MGG50, MGG50 at factormeals.com slash MGG50 to get 50% off your first box. Our thanks to Factor for sponsoring this episode. You know, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100 percent certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. I've talked about how we use LinkedIn Jobs here, and that's the way we found Sadie almost two years ago. She has been a fantastic addition to the team. We're looking at adding more people this year. What are we going to use? LinkedIn Jobs, because they make it super easy. You just create your free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. Then you add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile over at LinkedIn there so that you spread the word that you're hiring. Then you get to use their tools. These tools are super simple and yet give you so much. Like the screening questions they have, they make it super easy to focus down on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire 
The year's off to a strong start, and the right team member can help make your company even stronger. This is why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus all the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk with faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MGG. You got to go. That's linkedin.com slash MGG to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for sponsoring this episode. Next up is our sponsor, Collide, and they've got some big news. If you're an Okta user, they can get your entire fleet to 100% compliance. How? If a device isn't compliant, the user can't log into your cloud apps until they've fixed the problem. It's that simple. Collide patches one of the major holes in zero trust architecture, device compliance. Without Collide, IT struggles to solve basic problems like keeping everyone's OS and browser up to date. Unsecured devices are logging into your company's apps because there's nothing there to stop them. Well, Collide is the only device trust solution that enforces compliance as part of authentication. And it's built to work seamlessly with Okta. The moment Collide's agent detects a problem, it alerts the user and gives them instructions to fix it, which is awesome. It educates your users. And then if they don't fix the problem within a set time, they're blocked. Collide's method means fewer support tickets, less frustration, and most importantly, 100% fleet compliance. Visit collide.com slash MGG to learn more or book a demo. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash M-G-G. And our thanks to Collide for sponsoring this episode. All right. Well, let's, uh, shall we jump to Donna here, John? Yeah. Here's a interesting hidden feature. Yeah. Um, I wanted to share, um, I'm typically my mom's driver for doctor's appointments, but due to my broken shoulder, sorry about that, uh, my husband has been helping out. I wanted to share contact info with him for one of her doctors so he could use maps and notice something new to me called filter fields. Um, this is great. When I just want to send someone's phone number or address before, uh, we copy and paste or send a screenshot. Now you can just uncheck anything that you don't want to include with a contact card and send only what you want to share. And uh, sure enough, now I found out something weird with this, Dave, though. So I tried to do this on my Mac, and I'm like, "Where, where's where's the, the button that says filter? And it wasn't there. Um, unless I'm doing something really wrong here. But, but the way that you get, what you have to do is bring up cont- the contact and then press on the square with the up arrow, which means share. Um, yeah. And then... And then you get radio, but and then if if you if you click on the that button, you then get radio buttons for all the fields for that contact, and then you can choose which ones you want to send and who you want to send it to. So, but it's not on Mac OS, only iOS. I'll have to dig, huh? Figure out why that is the case. Well, I mean, the contacts app is not the same. Like it, it, it is. That's well, but but I mean. I know you know that, but but what I'm saying is Safari over time has gotten to be more and more the same app on on both platforms, right? And we're seeing that happen. I mean, it, you know, the system settings app and the settings app, very clearly system settings came from, uh, you know, iOS and, and was sort of jury rigged to make Mac OS be its thing. Uh, that has not yet happened with contacts in fact if anything 
it's been going the other way where we recently saw the ability to edit groups and such added to the iPad OS contacts app, things that were previously only doable in the Mac, but the two have not merged. And so, yeah, those features that are only there on iOS, uh, you know, there, there has been no reason, uh, no engineering byproduct that just puts it all together. But I, I, I agree with you. I would like to see that happen on the Mac. I think that's, that would be great. Yeah. 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 Interesting find. I didn't know that existed. I, I, I like that a lot better because it's it, like, and I've shared contacts on iOS. I've never noticed that little, um, that, that little thing. What is it? Uh, what's the, what's the name of it? It, 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 uh, filter fields. Yeah. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Good stuff. All right. Uh, let's see. We talked about, uh, in the last episode, we talked about security keys and, and hardware keys and lawyer Jeff has, uh, he has used some, he says, and I wanted to let you know about my experience in using physical security keys on Apple hardware since the 16.3 update for iOS on the day it was announced. I purchased two YubiKey five NFC devices. Uh, they have both USB-C and NFC connections. Apple requires a minimum of two physical security keys, and that's in case you lose one. All right. I like this already. Uh, You add each device by going to settings, your name, password and security, security keys, add security keys. And this works the same on both iOS and macOS. He says, understand that you will not need to use the hardware key to log in or use any of your devices in normal use. The YubiKey simply replaces the six-digit code that Apple sends to all of your connected devices, or in his case, used to send to all of your connected devices, that form of two-factor authentication. He says uh, it's for those circumstances where Apple wants to confirm that it's really you. I get this every week when I log into Podcast Connect because it uses my Apple ID. They want to send the thing to my – it's ridiculous. Like, Can I tell it that I remember? Like, um, It's still me. But anyway uh, – says the older method used by Apple was to send a code via iMessage, but that was phased out in the past few years to, for that six, uh, you know, six digit thing that he mentioned. Uh, he says, so instead of the code popping up, a message box now appears for him telling him to connect your hardware key. And then you just tap the YubiKey on the back of your phone NFC or insert the USB-C end of the key into your iPad or Mac. Oh. It then authenticates your identity and continues doing what you were trying to do. Uh, that's all the key does. So it replaces the code. Uh, he, he has a lot more to say about this, but I, that was the part that I thought was really relevant. Like where does the, where do these keys fit into my Apple centric life? Lawyer Jeff tells us where, cause he's using them. So you don't need it to log in. You don't need it to authenticate when you're installing hardware or selling software. Sorry, but it, it is for those moments where you need to authenticate your Apple ID. Very cool. Huh? Cool. Thank you, lawyer Jeff. Good stuff. I like this. And then, uh, John Gary wrote in with some advice for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very timely. Uh, so Gary says, I decided to take advantage of the extra security that Apple, Apple offers and use a physical security key. I ordered a YubiKey 5 CI and the YubiCo 5 NFC. 
I went into the Apple ID settings on my iPhone 14 and followed the steps. After setting up the security keys, I noticed that on my iMac, I was being asked for my Apple ID password by the podcast app. So I put it in and clicked OK, and it kept popping up. And even if I would click cancel and quit the podcast app, out of desperation, I restarted the Mac, and I thought the dialog box popping up was going to prevent restart, but thankfully it did not. If you follow my lead and use the security keys, make sure you restart your Mac afterwards so you don't get caught. Cool. Cool stuff. And uh, yeah, so yeah, this is, it's interesting. I'm curious to see how many of, of how many Apple users, but really how many of us from the Mac Geek Up community really start like not just experiment with security keys. Well, I, I would actually love to know if you're experimenting with them and then, you know, like three to six months from now, are you still using them or have you abandoned them for some reason or another? Um, it seems to me, you know, we choose our place on that continuum between ultimate security and ultimate convenience. And while certainly security keys have actually quite a bit of convenience. In fact, I would, I, you know, I would like it better, um, to, uh, to do what, what Jeff's doing, especially if I could just leave it plugged into my Mac, uh, you know, like, and then I don't have to think about it. That wouldn't be a bad thing, but you lose that key and life starts to get really difficult real fast. I, that's why Apple requires you to set up two. But, you know, you leave one on your Mac plugged in. The other one you take in your travel bag with you. You lose the, the traveling one while you're traveling. Yes, there's still one at home in your Mac, but it ain't with you. So now what do you do? Right. Those kinds of things start to that's what enters my squirrel brain. So, you know, so you're temporarily. Pot out of luck potentially but then you have to replace it yeah 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 then yeah. you have to replace it and go from there but yeah. uh yeah yeah enough yeah. yeah i don't yeah that, that's what i'm saying is it's it, like i just i don't know but i want to know just if you just get to forget all that security stuff i just use the word password or monkey monkey's a good one and no one will ever figure it out no so. no no the problem with <laughs> either of those ideas pete is they they make me use two hands to That's type right. in my it's thing completely. so one two three one two three and the reason it's one two three one oh, two three and not go. one two three four is uh well if you can get away with a three character password which i think you can then one two three is great because then you're just using three fingers super efficient but uh, if yeah. you need four, four characters, you do one, two, three, one. Now you don't even have to move your hand. See how I actually Point justified goes. using te a terrible <laughs> uh, thing. Like I actually sold that. Like I'm, I, I'm not serious about that folks. I, I like that sounded too good coming out. I really started to believe right it. Yeah. yeah. I could just change them all. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. No, we didn't Don't. learn that. Unlearn that. Unlearn. Unlearn. Yeah. Uh John, you uh speaking of security, you started um messing around with pass keys a, a little bit. Yeah, and it's interesting how the two different mechanisms kind of cross over. Um, so, yeah, so there's a pass key and a security key. And okay. make sure make sure you, you, you separate the two because they're different. So, yeah, so I went to uh, – I found an article, and it said, yeah, these sites are using it. And one of the sites um, should have used Apple, but um, Best Buy. So I have a Best Buy account. So I'm like, okay, let me go there. So you, you go to their site. 
you get the sign in prompt and one of the options is sign in with a pass key. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. Let me try this. Huh? And then what happened is I got a dialogue and th- this was the part that I think could be potentially confusing. It's like, choose how you'd like to sign in. Do you want to use an iPhone, iPad, or Android device? Or do you want to use a security key? Interesting. Interesting. And so I, I chose the first option because I don't have two security keys. Right. So I can't do that yet. Right, right, I have right. one of the uh, YubiKey ones, uh, and I think I'll order another one, just so I can do it with the uh, the physical key. My fear with requiring the physical key, Dave, is... Well, yeah, you're putting this out. If you lose it, then you, you're you're out of luck, man. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, I suppose you could re-enroll and get another security key if you lose it. But I just went to sign in with a pass key here on Best Buy. I figured I'd do it while we were doing it. I have a Best Buy account, and it asked me mm-hmm. for my email address, and then it said you don't have a pass key on this device, so you have to. So do I have to sign into my account and add a pass key to it? Is that the key? No, I pun believe intended. that is the route I took. Okay, so I would I would have to go in, go to my... It's like your account options, and one is password. I think that's the path that I eventually took. So it wasn't entirely obvious. Yeah, they could do this better. Like, I, I, I'm shocked that they aren't just coming to me right now that I've logged in and saying, you know, go, like, do you want to enable a passkey? Um, but, uh, you know, there you go. Yeah, sign in without a password using passkey. Okay, so that that yeah, you have to log in for Best Buy. You have to log in and set it up. When I did it with Cashfly, which is what we talked about last week, I uh, I it did, like after I logged in, you know, recently, it just boom, you know, like, do you want to set up a passkey? Like, yes. So, but I'm also on an a 2019 Intel iMac. I don't know that this device would support passkey. Like, how would I authenticate them? I'm I'm now really curious about this because I, I can't do, like, if I say create your passkey, it says, do you want to save a passkey for this? Passkeys are saved. Yes. Okay. So I just type in my password. So, you know, one, two, three, one. And, uh, and then it says, okay, now it says I'm all set. You're all set. <laughs> okay. All right. So now if I, I get into Dave's account, buy us all some new, well, but new that's the, geek. that's the <laughs> yeah. beauty of this is that you can't cause you don't have yeah, no. my pass key. Right. Pass. So if now, if I go yeah. to say sign in with a pass key, it asks for the email address. So I still need to give it my email address to identify me. And then it comes up and says, I have a pass key. Do you want to do that? I authenticate with my super insecure password uh, of one, two, three, one. And then boom, I'm in. Okay. All right. That's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So there's, uh, yeah. And then the others, you know, there's obviously Google Authenticator. A lot of places are using that, but is that, that's. That's totally that's different. different. That's just for your, yeah. your two-factor thing. But the, the two-factor goes different. away with a passkey because you now with have this okay. public-private key mm-hmm. pair that, that, you know, that, that now yeah. locks to you. So way more secure than a, than a, than a yeah. multi-factor kind of thing. Because I like if that. I got access to your Google Authenticator or if you're like me and you store your uh, your 2FA codes in oh, your 1Password, you know, instead of using a separate app. Now, if I get access to your 1Password vault or if I get access to your last pass vault, something that would be far more <laughs> likely and yeah. timely, uh, now I can I, – I'm in. I'm not you sure. – 
But, you know, with pass keys, you need the individual keys. So I, but really then I just need access to your keychain on your Mac. I mean, it, it like there is still a single point of failure on this. I think if I, if I'm wrong on that yeah. feedback, I'm yeah, no, I think, wrong. I think you're right. Yeah. One other thing I was wrong on, uh, just to follow up last week from uh, 968, I, as part of a quick tip, I turned off my, um, my uh, auto capitalization on my iPhone to see if, it, because it drives me crazy sometimes. Oh, nine hours, nine hours later, I turned it back on. It was driving me nuts. I was sending text messages to people and it was like, why do I look like I'm typing back in like you know the, the third grade yeah the third grade or something like i yeah it was like okay yeah no i i see why auto capitalization is on by default yes there are those moments when it drives me crazy but there's many 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 more moments where it saves my butt and i rely on it so yeah no that didn't yeah. last hey yeah. dave what you're following up from last week can yes I, sir can i throw a couple in yeah please so go ahead. you guys talked about uh uh, one of the listeners had a PDF that kept opening up in PDF Pen Pro. In spite of the fact they said, no, no, open every PDF file in yeah. PDF Expert. Had the same exact problem. And I just ignored it because I'm in a hurry to get this open and signed. And yeah. And you guys said use Onyx. Used Onyx, ran it. It, it rebuilt that launch uh, database and the launch D and boom, done. Fixed it. Yeah. Instantly. Um, Boom. And then the other follow-up. Are you like pounding week, on your desk? Because those of us that can hear oh, the, the low end, we're, we're getting this like, whoa, oh, whoa. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. I'm pounding. Yeah. Damn it, listen to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry. Then the no, other it's... one was uh, talking about Apple Pay and international travel. I wanted to bring up two points. One is uh, if you're going to South Korea, don't count on Apple Pay. It's a wholly owned subsidiary of Samsung, which is, you know, not uh -huh. Apple. Google. Google Pay. Yeah, <laughs> that sort of thing. But the, yeah, there's almost no Apple Pay in South Korea. There's a, there's once or twice, but I, I've never have found it there. And then, uh, but the other thing I would suggest to people is make sure you have a credit card because it, what does it charge? Charges your credit card. Make sure you have a credit card that does not charge you international transaction fees because they're they're skimming off the top of the exchange rate if they're charging you those fees. Yes, so don't let them do that. Yes. So yes, it, no. That's a great. I, I when you brought that up. Uh, uh, pre-show pre man I, I was like how did I how have I traveled internationally twice in the last you know eight months and not shared that tip with everybody here because I share it with my family like before we go away I'm like check with your credit card so you know which ones not to use you know when you're there um, exactly yeah yeah because I had one card that I thought was you know had no no uh no, whatever the three percent, whatever it is, and it was yeah, like some outrageous. So it's outrageous. outrageous. Yeah, yeah, it's outrageous. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Hey, speaking of uh, resurfacing advice from a prior show, John, back in nineteen forty-six, actually, you prepped a thing about uh, dealing, solving the problem that we see frequently in macOS Ventura. You restart. Uh, your startup apps launch, which includes things like, you know, bartender and, and default folder and things like that. And then you start getting messages saying, you know, bartender needs accessibility permissions or default folder needs full disk access or whatever it needs. And, and you go and look and it has them. And it's like, guys, why are you telling me it doesn't have it? And there's this TCC database that, uh, that gets, that, that needs help is, is where I'm going to go with this. 
946, we shared a piece that that was older, predating macOS Ventura, that said there was a command line that you could use while your Mac was up and running to reset various bits of that. Um, it it doesn't. I've I've not found that to actually solve the problem because I've had this problem since we talked about it twice. Once on this machine, which we talked about in 964, and then this past week on my Mac Mini down in the office, so the Intel machine or the M1 machine rather, and. Uh, what I found is you have to boot into safe mode and delete the TCC DB file and, and, and one other that sits right next to it. I'm not going to go through the instructions here because it involves safe mode and terminal and all of that stuff. But there is an article that, and I can't stress this enough, either have a second Mac next to you with the article up or print it out. I've printed it out. I've now used the printout twice, once up here and once downstairs but delete that database. Now, the next time you start up, everything will ask you for that permission because the database is empty, uh, but you give it permission. And and since then, my reboots have been far, uh, far less eventful, let's say. So my, my advice, I think there's something about Ventura that screwed this up with the early builds and is now better. I, I don't want to go out on a limb and say that it's actually solved, but it's better now. And so, but I think if we had Ventura prior to, let's say, 13.1 or maybe even 13.2, it, 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 it like we're stuck with whatever that issue was, wiping out the database, letting it rebuild it with today's Ventura seems to be the thing. So my advice is I, I would... I, I'm going to do this on all of my machines as a matter of course. Of course, if you're not seeing any issues, I would understand why you don't want to go through this headache. But my guess is you might wind up with this headache down the road. So, you know, do it proactively. That That's my advice. But uh, but certainly know that it's it's doable there. So. Yavol. John, following up from last week's episode, while we're on the follow-ups, we have uh, something from... Doug, at least Doug and Allison, if not many, many more. Um, I mentioned the uh, B5 from Audio Engine because I was shocked to find a, a device that would let me stream, like a commercially available device that would let me stream AirPlay to it. I mistakenly uh, interpreted that it would do AirPlay 2. It will not. The Audio Engine B5 only does airplay which means it can't do the multi-room audio through airplay it can do it its own way but not through airplay however doug and allison have a better answer for us and john you're going to tell us about that um excuse me uh i hope so uh all right well i will i i, I will i will share it if if you if you are not prepared no, I, think I got it up here okay cool Hold on. great all right their solution is the Belkin Soundform Connect AirPlay 2 adapter and AirPlay 2 receiver. Wireless streaming for Apple devices to Bluetooth speakers, optical and 3.5 millimeter speaker inputs for iPhone 14, 13, MacBook Pro, and more. Yeah, that's the device. And it's it's way less expensive than the um than the audio engine one. This is $62.80. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. And it has uh 
Yeah, it has an audio out, so you could go to an RCA if you wanted. I mean, it's got it's got um, man, they make it hard to see. Yeah, it's got an analog audio out and a did and the digital. Yeah, nice find. I like it. I like it. I like it. Pretty good. It's good, man. Good stuff. Um, well played. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right. Um, I, I, we're, we're sort of in cool stuff found here, so we're just we're gonna go for it. We're we're jumping to cool stuff found. John, you want to uh, you want to share the the next one from Rotterham? I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. <laughs> yes, let's do that. Uh, Rotterham. All right, here it is. Um, listening to your podcast. Uh, Episode 968 on password managers and your frustrations. I've discovered a password manager called Strongbox, which is a premium KeePass app for Apple ecosystems. This app lets you decide what you want to do with your data and is transferable to other platforms should you wish. And also it will use local and iCloud vaults. I'm in the process of switching from one password and I do not regret it. Wow. Um, the user experience is great. It integrates with Star Safari Autofill. Um, now I didn't actually use the, the the product itself, but I did download and check it out. And um, so here's the the deep part. So there's a little button. So you start it up, and it's like, well, I don't have any data in me. Well, it's like, well, yeah, that's because you haven't imported it. How do you import it? There's a little button that says Add Database, and here are the options: Add from Files, Add from OneDrive database, add from Dropbox database. Um, let me see, access SFTP database, add WebDAB database, and then you can import from 1Password, LastPass, Apple slash iCloud, or a generic CSV, comma, separated values. Oh, that's awesome. Huh. <clears throat> Here's what I like about it, Dave. You scroll by pretty quickly on the screen for those watching, but... The pricing. You can do subscription, but you can do a one-time payment. And yeah, it. I, I I was yeah. looking here. Right, it's well, it's 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 free to start out, and and as they yeah. point out, you're missing some convenience features. So they definitely follow the premium model, and it's four bucks a month, nineteen a year, or eighty bucks for that one-time payment. The convenience features are definitely features that you're going to want, but it gives you the ability to sort of get rolling. Things like face or face ID or touch ID. Uh, you know, those are part of the premium features, the convenience features, I'll call it. Uh, what I'm looking for here, and I don't see it, is box. if Love you it. can share libraries like i oh, want to yeah 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 like yeah. you know i would love to have a i mean i do have a, a library that's like the dave and lisa password library where there are logins that she and i share for certain you know things like our our uh, yeah. you know our electric company bill or whatever and if one of us changes the password it's just automatically changed for the other so i don't see that they have a um yeah, that it vaults in one password yeah, it's vaults vault, and it's you know, it's super confusing yeah. in one password it bitwarden makes that much simpler but i'd be curious to see if this one has it too but um but yeah that's i mean 80 bucks I, like that that's great yeah interesting yeah nice fine nice fine i like it that's uh keeps us rolling um i have found a thing that i i've, I've actually been using in the office 
from Targus, their uh, sustainable energy harvesting eco smart keyboard. And what that means, it's it's a full size keyboard. Uh, it is uh, Bluetooth, so you know it is wireless, and it is also solar powered. Uh, so it charges itself with, um, it, you know, a variety of, I, I haven't, I, I, you know, I don't use it outside and it has stayed charged for me. So there you go. And it's also in the eco smart realm. It's made with like 85% recycled materials, but, uh, it's got a nice touch to it. It's, it's much quieter than my clacky keyboard that I have in the office. I can't have a clacky keyboard obviously up here in the studio. Cause otherwise you'd hear clack, 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 clack all the time. But I have a clacky one in the office, which I really like, except when I'm on like Zoom calls and I want to take notes or, you know, send a text message that I don't want the people on the Zoom call to know about. And so uh, I have this nearby and I just grab it and I bring it over and I use it while I'm on my calls. And it's been it's been fantastic. And sometimes it stays there because it's a comfortable keyboard to use. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty uh, 119 bucks. Awesome. It looks, yeah, it looks it has a number pad and oh, yeah, yeah, it's a table. Hit the number pad. It's, it's a full size keyboard. keyboard. Yeah, I put a I put a high pass filter, aka a roll off the low end EQ on on your channel there, Pete. So hopefully oh, the thanks. the table bounding I've, isn't pounding isn't too. Terrible. Yeah, I bumped my chair into it, but it's totally um, fine. So the, can, uh, can you? I assume you can use something like Better Touch Tool or something like those lines to create to put, map a command key. Oh, for sure. Or oh. is it in, okay? Yeah, I mean it. It ha- it's fully Mac happy. So I mean, oh, it, okay. So yeah, it already has it, it has it has a command key on it, but uh, command option, you know, control or command oh, alt control, gosh. whatever you want to call okay. it. Yep. So yeah, no, it it's my, it's my old eyes. I was looking. It looked like a Windows. Uh, it's both. Secret, it it okay. you know it's like most keyboards these days. It it'll it'll yeah. map to either, but yeah, no, it works great. And then it's it's got some function keys, which even have like auto assigned, you know, mute volume up, down brightness, play, pause, forward, fast, forward, reverse, you know? So yeah, it's, it's got, it's fully, I didn't have to run any third party software to make the keyboard do what I wanted it to do. Let me put it that way. Nice. Yeah, no, it's great. It's, you know, out of the box. It's, it's, a, it's great. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we got time. Go ahead, John. It- does it? No, I think it's it's Bluetooth only. Okay, correct. It is. It is uh, near as. I, yeah, I haven't. That, that's a good question. I don't. I didn't try to plug it in to my Mac. I, I should look. But yeah, no, I think I think it, that is correct. It is Bluetooth only. I, I don't have it up here. I have it downstairs. But uh, but yeah, yeah, Bluetooth. It is Bluetooth only. But but it, you know, with the way it charges, it, it's fine. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you want to take us to the next one, John? You want to tell us about Kaleidoscope from Todd? Why not? So Todd says, I've never heard you mention the Mac OS application Kaleidoscope. So I figure I'd share how it has saved my bacon mm, bacon uh, mm. over <laughs> the last week. I've ended up with dozens of backup hard drives containing files over the last few decades. Non-time machine drives, a mess of personal pictures, music libraries, documents. I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of duplicates. It sucks because I can't find anything and never have a consistent method of organizing my files. I've copied files and folders around without a care for remaining organized. The problem for another day. Uh, My day is today. (laughs) My new goal now is to consolidate these drives to my Synology disk station while filtering out duplicates. Kaleidoscope app 
has saved me dozens, if not hundreds of hours. It will deeply scan folders on your Mac, comparing the folders against each other, making it dead easy to isolate different, equal, and unmatched files. If you happen to have one MP3 file that is different and it is buried eight folders deep, Kaleidoscope will sniff it out and let you know. It also deeply scans text files and images. Think of Kaleidoscope as a nice GUI for diff. Uh, I won't lie, it is a pricey app, but I happily purchased it instead of manually sifting through thousands of files. I've been thrilled with it and have to sing its praises to someone. Huh. So thank you for singing. We will or sing them for singing. you. <laughs> yeah. No, and he's not wrong. I mean, it, it's 150 bucks or 149.99 U.S. Uh, so th- that is not inexpensive for sure. But this seems, yeah, fascinating. Uh, we'll have to check this out. I, I'd never heard of this before. I don't. I, had you ever heard of it before, John? No. No. Yeah. That's pretty good. No, that looks cool. It looks. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It looks cool. Speaking of cool things that I'd never heard of before, uh, Alex S. shares a quick look extension called Peak. And uh, he says with Peak, it's the ultimate macOS quick look extension. Uh, You can copy text, jump to lines and pages and search documents from quick look. That's a pretty big deal. Like to be able to like find a file spacebar and now actually like interact with it in some meaningful ways without having to open it up. Uh, it says it uh, brings popular system extension keyboard shortcuts to peak. Uh, and you can select all copy search, jump to line, scroll to end, scroll to beginning. Yeah. Supports GitHub style. That's yeah. That's pretty cool. Big Z labs is what uh, is who makes peak. So thank you for sharing that, Alex. I like it. It's good stuff. Uh, what's next, John? You want to bring us to, oh, Don found Wi-Fi Porter. Yes. So this is pretty cool. So this is, a. so when we were talking about, um, making QR codes, uh, of your biz card, he, he thought of something, uh, similar. Oh, it does something a little different. Okay. Uh, anyways, Wi-Fi Porter.com sells a $39 device that you set up to use your Wi-Fi network, allowing you to create a QR code, which your visitors only have to scan to connect to your Wi-Fi network. It doesn't provide the SSID or password to the network. It just connects them to the network. Uh, As always, you only need to log in the first time. Uh, It is an attractive piece of pine wood that you can leave sitting on your desk, hang on the wall, etc. I, and I checked it out, Dave, and I think it does more than he stated. So not only does it give you a QR code uh, to log into the Wi-Fi, but I believe it all also does NFC. Because uh... it says, oh, if you have an it, it, yeah, it was weird, the presentation. They're like, if you have an Android phone, just hold it up to this thing. Um, otherwise, make a QR code Yeah. <laughs> for iPhones. Yeah, yeah, How yeah. do it know? That's cool. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, they, you're right. They say older iPhones connect by pointing the camera toward the QR code on the bottom, but the, a newer iPhone, you just NFC to it, or an Android phone that has NFC, and and boom, forty bucks. And if you want it in Walnut, sixty bucks. That's pretty cool, huh? Huh? Who'd have thunk Walnut is twenty bucks more? <laughs> well, it's well, I, I should point out yeah. Walnut and stainless steel, so it's it's a yeah. little. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, it's it's got a different yeah. look. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. 
I like it. That's yes. great if you have an Airbnb or a business or, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'll say. All right. Um, yeah, like the um, like the, the bash we were just at, me and you, Dave. Yeah. Um, our, our host uh, put up a QR code to get on his network. Oh, yeah. Super smart. I did the same thing a couple of weeks ago after we talked about it here in the studio. I printed a huge eight and a half by 11 QR code. Uh, it, it's, it says on the bottom, join the Wi-Fi here in the studio. I stuck it to the inside of the door and I hope to never have to hear someone. I never, well, my answer to the question, Hey, what's the Wi-Fi?" is just point at the door. Like, there you go. It's all right there. See Dave, if you just put it over the, over your head behind the drum set, you won't even get the question. No, you're not Wi-Fi. wrong. I, I could just like paste <laughs> it on. You're right. Yeah. If I put it somewhere that's like super obvious to see, because you're right, they wouldn't see yeah. that until they yeah, leave. If they actually turn around and look at the door, they don't you know, know what I'm going to do until they're leaving. <laughs> I'm moving it to the beer fridge, Pete. That's going to solve go, the brother. problem. <laughs> problem solved. Yeah. Done. Done. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They Get find, that sign out of my way. I need beer. <laughs> they find the beer fridge uh, first. Then they ask about yes. the Wi-Fi. So, yeah, that's a great idea. Done. Yeah. No, you're not. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. There's a show title. They find the beer fridge first. They find the <laughs> beer fridge. Yeah, don't they? Yeah, they sure do. Beer fridge before um, Wi-Fi. Yeah, there you go. And a suggestion for any of these solutions, because I think somebody sent us, we may get to it in another episode. There is a way to create a QR code to log into your... Uh, oh, go ahead and share that. Yeah, no, we're, uh, we're here yeah. for sure. Yeah, I forgot who... Uh, shortcuts. There, there's a shortcuts gallery. Uh, yeah. So if you go to shortcuts on your phone and search for Wi-Fi, it's going to find a shortcut that'll let you uh, make a barcode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, here's the thing, though. It prompts you for... So so just be careful with this. It, it prompts you for the SSID and the password. You may want to make a guest network. Oh. Yeah, well... Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, my well, caution is, yeah, if you're going to deploy this. Um, why? Well, why? I mean, I'm, I'm curious. I, 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 I think there is a way to extract. I, I don't believe that barcode is in, uh, encrypted. Okay. So if I scan that barcode, um, maybe using a third party barcode scanner, I think I may be able to see the username and password. Well, or, I mean, you just that they specify. So I'm I'm just offering a caution. Well, but you, but you, you don't even need a third party scan. You're overthinking it. Which, ladies and gentlemen, John F. Braun, um, if you scan this with your iPhone, once your iPhone joins the network, you can go into settings and see the password for the network. So uh, like they they have the password. Yeah, for sure. So it really the question is, would you give guests to your house? your main Wi-Fi password, or would you make them join a guest network? And if, if the answer is a guest network, then put the guest network on the thing. If the answer is no, I'll just let them join. It's totally fine. Then, then yeah, then, then that's the, that's the other answer. So yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Like my family, they have, you know, I devices and stuff like that. And yeah. I let them on the main network because I trust them. Well, also um, you probably know this Dave, but there is a way to share um, your password with another device, assuming that you're in their contact list. Now you'll oh, just yes, get a prompt course. on your yes. Yeah. You'll you'll just get a prompt on your phone saying, "Hey, uh, you want to let 
so-and-so on your network. Yeah. Yeah. I also thought that was neat, but I learned, but apparently one of my devices, I am not in the contact list. So I didn't set up the prompt for that. And I'm like, oh man. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 But again, you're sharing your, your primary Wi-Fi network. I've, I've never run a guest network here. I've always just given people access to my, my Wi-Fi network. I mean, it, it's, it's that same kind of thing. Like if they're at my house mm-hmm. that, you know, the, 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 I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being, uh, um, naive here, but like it's, it hasn't caused a problem yet. You know, I, but I don't know. I mean, it's like, you know, I, I feel like there's, Friends aren't friends what aren't the could go wrong. What could go yeah, wrong? Well, they don't have time to hack right in front of you. You know, You're right? Yeah, they got to get beer out of the fridge. You know, yeah. I mean, who's gonna hack the guy that filled the beer fridge? That's really the question. Maybe right. that is the uh, the show title. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Although TM Papa suggested putting it on your kick drum, you know, I I could, <laughs> yeah. But you got your band name there. I know. No, no, he's not. He's not. No, the kick drum in the. Yeah, that's true. Because occasionally I will take the drum set out of the studio and yeah, and use it yeah. for a gig, but that's pretty rare. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's not. That's a pretty good idea. I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to be the end, guys. It's just how it be. It's just this is how- the end, my friend. Oh man, things got weird real fast. <laughs> Oedipus, is you that want you? Pilot Pete singing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old Jim Morrison. I wonder where he is these days. Paris. He is. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. He's he's buried in Paris. You know, I was at South. I, I my wife has always been of the opinion that uh, he did not pass away in Paris. Uh, he may be dead now. But she was convinced that he did not die then, and and there's a lot of, like, th- th- there's a lot of, of of circumstantial evidence to support that theory. Uh, I never, I, I didn't buy it until about eight years ago. I was at South by Southwest. I was at a uh, session where Robbie Krieger, the guitar player from the Doors, uh, it was just him and his manager, and Robbie was like talking about i think a new book that he had at the time or whatever but really there were only maybe 25 of us in the room at the session which sort of blew my mind and it became a q a a very relaxed q a it was very much like a mac geek uh, you know live kind of thing it was it was super chill and somebody asked about american prayer which is the album that they recorded the music to uh underneath jim's poetry and uh, it was right about that that time that, you know, Jim purportedly passed away. And what was fascinating to me was Robbie, the way he was talking, he's like, oh, yeah, after Jim left us. And there was this pregnant pause where, like, it wasn't like he was choked up about, you know, the fact that his friend had passed away 30 years prior or anything. It was he it was him stopping and choosing his words very carefully as because he didn't say when Jim passed away or Jim died. He's like when Jim and he had to think about how he wanted to communicate this. And he said when Jim left us and that was that was it. There's also a bank teller in Los Angeles. Now, remember, you know, this was back before the Internet existed uh, or at least in any meaningful way. And uh, who said that. Someone matching 
uh, Jim's physical description came in days after he uh, reportedly died in, in Paris. But, of course, she didn't know this. The bank teller didn't know this because the news hadn't gotten to her. Uh, and withdrew a bunch of money from Jim's account. And it was like, well, yeah, it was just like Jim was here withdrawing money from his account. Like, happened all the time. Normal. Yeah. So, I don't know. Jim might be in Paris. I've seen, I've been to the, the Père Lachaise, uh, Père Lachance yeah, yeah. Cemetery. I'm, I'm mispronouncing it. I'm, I'm, I'm misremembering the name and mispronouncing it. So, there you go. It's a double whammy <laughs> right there. That way you can't find it. <laughs> That's right. Ever again. Yeah. But it, I mean, his, his grave is cool to see. It's fascinating whether he's there or not. I wonder if huh? yeah, he may not be there. He may be working the French fryer next to Elvis at the Burger King in Kalamazoo. That's you right. Know, just, you don't know. You don't know. All right. JFK's the manager for that. J- That's right. JFK's the manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. All if right. you believe in that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't up until that day. And I actually, like, yeah. as soon as the session was over, I, like, ran out and called Lisa. And I was like, you might be right. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. So, <laughs> that was awesome. Yep. Yeah. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to Cashfly for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you, even even the bandwidth for the extra segment about my crazy harebrained Jim Morrison theory. Uh, make sure you check out Pete's podcast. So there I was. That also comes from Cashfly. And check out our merch. Thank In fact, you. join our Discord. Go to MacGeekGab.com slash Discord. We're talking about new merch in there. We got lots of ideas from you folks, and we're adding to them. There's a Discord channel for all the merch ideas but of course you can go buy merch at merch dot uh is it mackeygib.com slash merch that's certainly the, the way to get there all right that's it uh thanks for hanging out make sure to check out our sponsors mackeygib.com slash sponsors even just getting the email uh that we send out with the show notes every week clicking on and visiting the sponsors websites i can't tell you how much that helps us whether you buy or not that's between you and them but go check it out please Merch, John. What's the front of uh, of Pete's shirt say? Oh wow, Pete got some merch. And what does it say on the front? I can't quite make it out. I think it says "Don't get caught." Made on back with a logo on the back. <laughs> Later.